Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly World Cup edition. My name is Chris, I'm your host as usual and once again I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr Jeremy Smith. Jez, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Yeah. Good? Yeah, yeah, not bad mate, not bad. It's, um, it's still chilly but I think we're going to be saying that for a number of months here in the UK so I, I won't grumble. Um, definitely happier for some results uh, or the result that we'll talk about today and how things are going uh, we didn't have to worry about anything in the end did we although you know we've still got Tunisia to play but we're uh, we're bringing you this podcast on on Tuesday evening and we wanted to look back at the weekend's game which saw France beat Denmark by two goals to one I'm just gonna throw it across to you really what did you make of it because I thought it was a pretty pretty good performance overall two very good goals and a, a rather pleasing first team through to the last 16 status yeah I thought it was an excellent performance and um sort of by accident or design there could still be changes not not counting cheesy match we'll get to later that may well be sort of France's um possibly starting lineup kind of for the rest of the tournament and um there, there was still some sort of Hairy moments in defence, possibly. Uh, Jonathan Liu for The Guardian, who I think usually is an absolutely superb writer, he did the review of this match and he said Denmark um, dominated for long periods and it wouldn't have been an unfair result had they won, which I'm, I know I'm biased, but I was absolutely stunned by. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. They had... Um, they had all of the ball for the first sort of two minutes. And then when France fell asleep for sort of 10 minutes after the goal, they had ch- they obviously equalised and they had that chance, but Loris called out the save. Apart from that, I thought, I'm not going to say France were comfortable, but I thought they were comfortably the better team. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think all the way through the, the France team, you, it's difficult to find fault. I mean, obviously, L'Equipe gave... Giroud a crappy score because if he doesn't score they automatically give him a crappy score but he did his part as usual you know working working the centre-backs doing his defensive shift hugely I thought um yeah I mean I don't know if you want to do it like we did the other day and literally go line by line and, and talk about each player but in general I thought it was a really good team performance um positives all the way through people that we were sort of slightly worried about um, suggested that we don't need to be, um, you know, taking Dembele, for example, my criticism in the first match was too many, running into too many brick walls and and also not doing his defensive shift. I thought he was a lot more, there was a lot more cutting edge this time and he came back and defended, which I thought was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Griezmann, I'm sure we will wax lyrical about even further. And then Mbappe, I mean, frankly... I don't think he had a good match, but he scored two goals. So, yes. can't, ask, can't ask for much more, can you? In that sort of circumstance, we will. Why not start at the back? And we saw two changes: Varane coming in, which I think was a real bonus. He replaced Konate at the centre of, of defence, and probably one that both you and I would have looked at pre-tournament and thought, "Oh, are we really going here again?" Jill Kunde at right back. He was booked. I wouldn't say he was standout performance, but I felt like he was sort of steady. And I did notice quite a lot that he seemed to be 
rather than like hogging the touchline, he did seem to be more of a sort of an, an inverse uh, right back rather than a an overlapping sort of style. What was your take on him coming in? Because to, to me, Pavard was, was quite simply dropped because of that mistake in the first game. That's how I read it. Um, and Kunde coming in. Do you feel like that's what we're going to see moving forwards now, irrespective of the last game, which obviously there'll be changes in? I felt a bit sorry for... I feel, to an extent, I feel sorry for both of them because I think neither of them are right-backs. And I think both of them have made clear that they would prefer not to be played at right-back. Yeah. Um, Pava, I feel a little bit more sorry for because I think Deschamps mucked him around. You know, in one press conference, he says, no, no, I've picked him as a right-back. Next one, no, no, he's definitely one of my centre-backs. Then he's right-back again. I can understand him being a little bit peeved. And I can also understand that when you've played the whole season so far as a centre-back, as we discussed, you know, luckily it wasn't uh, a sort of crucial mistake, but you can understand why possibly it takes him a little bit of adjustment to remember that he's a full-back. Um, I also just generally prefer him to Kunde. I've got I've got a friend who's an Arsenal fan who, when you signed Ospina, I raved about what a good keeper he is. And sort of years later, he's still, every time I say anything about football, he's like, yeah, but you said Ospina was good. <laughs> and he but has at some point admitted, it doesn't matter how good he is or not, the fact that he's a small goalkeeper mm. automatically makes me think he's not good. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that nice. about Kunde. It just he seems definitely too short to be a centre back, and I don't know. I'm just I'm still not convinced about him. But I thought this was definitely his best match for France. Again, I thought maybe Pavard's been treated a bit badly in that a lot of people criticised him for not doing enough to support the attack the other day. But I think it was very clear that Deschamps tactic, especially after Hernandez came on, was to have a sort of lopsided defence where the left side was pushing forward a lot more and the and the right side was kind of staying back and, and concentrating more on the defence. Um, I think by the time we got to the second match, maybe everyone had come to terms with that. And Kunde did push forward a little bit, but still his main role was his defence. I think he did a decent job. You know, I, I really rate Mailer, so I was a little bit worried about that sort of matchup, but I think he, he handled things really well. Um, but then I, I, for a lot of the match, I thought maybe Denmark was sort of just still seemed a little bit low on intensity and half asleep. So actually, I don't think he had a huge amount to do. What he did, he generally did very well. The yellow card, frankly, if if it had been a red, it would have been harsh, but not completely unfair. It was a pretty wild tackle. Wasn't good, was it? So certainly not all perfect, but was better than I feared it would be. And yeah. for me personally, I would still have Pavar there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm in agreement. What, what did you make of that centre half partnership then? Because I think I think we all, we all know how good Varane is, but I thought Opimakano was was really good in this game. He, he sort of he was good in the first game, distribution wise, etc. But I just felt he looked he looked like he belonged in this game. And, and albeit, as you rightly said, Denmark didn't really threaten hugely either side of that period where they got the goal. But I just thought he looked like a player who who sort of had confidence in himself, if that makes sense, or he was really good. Yeah, I mean, you could argue maybe that the goal was slightly his fault for, for losing, I think it was the, the header with the sort of flick on. But I think you're absolutely right about looking like he belonged. I think when he's played for France up till now, maybe he's looked very nervous, like the occasions always got to him. 
Um, and in the last two matches, he just looks like he's grown and he, he you know, maybe it's it's playing regularly now for Bayer and maybe it's that he sort of really believes that he belongs on this stage. And I think he's been fantastic. And first match, we said he and Canate both played well, but he looked slightly more assured and was certainly in terms of passing was, was the sort of more prominent player. And this one, maybe it's even easier when you've got Varane next to you. But um, yeah, I just, I thought he looked... Um, well, just a class at really, and then Varane as well, considering it was his first match back, and maybe you know, it was sort of a follow on from the last World Cup. He looked generally sort of imperious, and and I'm pretty you know, as long as those two keep up the form they showed in that match, then, um, then yeah, it's, it's a pretty solid defense to have or central defense to have. Yeah, good good building blocks, isn't it, to move forward. And and those two in front as well, neither Chiumeni nor Rebio sort of stood out as what I would call, you know, match winners or uh, like they, they didn't sort of step above the crowd in terms of their performances overall. But again, pretty steady. They're forming quite a nice understanding in there, aren't they? And it, it sort of builds on that platform for the the three and the, and the one or the four as a collective in front of them to, to do what they do. So I thought both of those were pretty steady in this game. Yeah, I think, I mean, Chiromeni is, he's still sort of more of a sitter or a holder or whatever. And so he's not going to stand out necessarily ever as a, as a match winner, but um, yeah, he's, he's doing what he does extremely well. And, and um, I think, I think I've said previously, even if Pogba and, and Conte had com- got back to form, I'm not 100% sure that, or fitness rather, I'm not sure that um, one or other of them would have sort of earned the right to knock Chiromeni out of the starting lineup. Um, sort of contrary to what I said about Mercano, I think as soon as Chiromeni came into the France team, he looked like he belonged there, he looked assured and, and, and confident and um, you know, does his job well, but is also willing to to push forward a bit, and and I think he's just he's carried on in that vein. And Rabiot obviously has had his checkered history with France, but and it's maybe taken a while. I mean, he's twenty seven now, but mm. he's he's been you know someone a, a colleague of mine at work today was saying, you know, I've never rated Rabiot, but um, I think I think he's been great this World Cup, and I think that probably sums it up. I, as I've said before, I think he's been very harshly treated over the years and I thought often I felt at PSG he was certainly in Champions League matches you could argue that he was their standout player so we know he's got the pedigree there it's just about getting it right in his head and doing it on a consistent basis and he's absolutely you know the last you know I suppose like any sporting tournament it's what's crucial is that you're sort of at at the top of your game when it really matters even that's even if that's just for like two weeks of a tennis tournament or one month every four years in the Olympics or the World Cup or whatever. And Rabio, you've got to say, has really hit a form at the right time. You know, the last month or so at Juventus and, and now carrying it on to, into the World Cup. And he, I think he looks like a proper leader. Obviously, scored that crucial first goal equaliser against Australia. Um, and... He's one of those players that he looks like he's sort of grown a foot or two. Um, mm. Just, yes, not controlling the midfields, I don't think. But I've always said that at his best, he sort of glides across the pitch. And and I think he's been doing a bit of that so far this World Cup. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. And his, 
his athleticism, I think, is is going to prove quite important as we go, hopefully, deeper into this tournament as well. I feel like he, he looks like a, a player who can carry a midfield on his back in terms of that getting around the pitch. And he is quite a wiry uh, frame. He's, he's, sort of... he's run, I think, more kilometre or greater distance than any other French player. So. Does he really? Wow. And I, and I genuinely didn't even look that up, so I'm glad I wasn't too far of the mark on that one. <laughs> um, and in terms of that, the the, the three in front, uh, in in terms of uh, Dembele and, and Mbappe wide and, and Griezmann centrally, stick with with the man of the moment, Antoine, for a minute. Uh, I very much enjoyed watching his antics on the uh, clips of the French team in the hotel. He's been up to his usual hijinks, which I very much enjoyed. But on the pitch, just. I mean, you said it in the intro there, but he is just so good, isn't he? Um, I was talking to Lana about him the other day and she was saying he's, he is, I think you said the same, he is France's best player, end of story. Like, you know, you can have all of your other or most key influential player, if you like, you can have all, all the, the things that come with Mbappe and Giroud and everything else, but he's just, his ability to be everywhere, but not being out of position, if you know what I mean. He, he doesn't just run around like a, a blue ass fly to quote an English expression, he's everywhere, but he's always doing something everywhere. And some of his passing and his his second assisting and 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 that ability to drag players out of position to free up others, it's so un, it's so selfless, but it's so good, isn't it? So he's uh, he's run the second most after Rabiot, yeah. And uh, I think he's like amongst the the best in the whole World Cup in terms of. I mean, if you look at there's an article in Lecky about it. Um, sort of breaking down like how much of that running is is sort of sprinting how much is more slow or whatever and it, it sort of basically indicates that he's just con- continuous or sort of perpetual motion and uh i think after, after the after the the goal that he set up the winner that he set up from Bappe the other day someone some, someone sent a tweet which got a hell of a lot of stick um just in the replies, but I'm not 100% sure why. It was basically the, the pro Mbappe brigade. But they said um, Griezmann is the one who came up with the poetry, but Mbappe is getting the royalties. <laughs> Which I thought was a, a really, yeah, slightly sort of polemic, but I thought it was a really nice way to put it. Um, you know, the let's be fair, Mbappe, you know, depending on, on, on your point of view, either sort of, got it in with his thigh or his cock or whatever you want but you know he's basically on the line to, to put it across because it was a fantastic cross by by Griezmann after good work by Komen as well mm, um, yeah, was, yeah. I, I mean I could spend the next hour just talking about Griezmann and a lot of it would be a repeat of what I've said sort of you know since the last World Cup and before remember also he hasn't missed the France match since like 2004 15 maybe I might be mm. wrong but certainly a hell of a long time um I just I think he's a god and I think he's so again I've said it before I think he's so underrated and so underappreciated his intelligent you know the fact that he's able to play this completely new position on basically no notice um and still look like not a veteran and yeah okay sometimes this placement's not quite right and I think it's also a sign sign of sort of good team spirit that someone like Fafana feels like after the match he can talk to Griezmann about how he can improve his positioning and Griezmann's like very happy to, to take the advice but that he can um, still be doing his playmaking role 
Um, you know, he's set, set Mbappe up on the plate, I think, three or four times now. Okay, Mbappe's only put one of them away, but, you know, he should have already three or four assists to his name, all things being equal. Mm. Um, he's still the best uh, set-piece taker in, in, in the French team, and thank God that Mbappe was taking off free kicks and corners for this match. Um, he's... Yeah, his vista is his final ball is fantastic. He's I, I think I said before, maybe I was a little bit harsh actually. I put that he was the second best um striker, midfielder, and defender in the France team against Denmark. Um I felt like defense I had to give Upamecano credit because I thought he was just superb. Midfield, Rabio had a very good game. And up front, it's difficult to to argue that Dembele had his best France match and Mbappe scored two goals, but Griezmann did a huge job in everyone, you know, each one of those three positions um, or sort of three lines and um, looked like, as I've said before, he can play nine, he can play 10, he can play seven or 11, he can play eight, he can play six. And I think he could play in defense as well. I just think he's a fantastic pure footballer who, understands football he understands tempo changing the tempo he knows when to put his foot on the ball he knows to when to play one touch he can play the long balls the set pieces he knows how to finish he's a very good tackler um clearly and most importantly arguably he's got a great engine on him um i, I think he's absolutely fantastic and you know yes mbappe will find ways to score goals anyway but especially considering Mbappe and sometimes Dembele leave a, lit, a little bit to be desired defensively. And because of this issue of an inexperienced defence and how do you fit in enough attacking players to make sure that you get the goals? He's so crucial in a different way to the way he was crucial in 2018, but he's so crucial to the team. And I just, I think it's sad that he won't be properly appreciated, partly because of the Barcelona thing, partly because of the Mbappe, Benzema sort of, ego politics thing I don't think he'll ever be 100% appreciated um, until he he's not there anymore but yeah. I, just, I think he's absolutely fabulous just just quickly on him as well do you see him still being around at the next World Cup I know that's a completely out of the blue question but he's getting up there in age now is he 31 32 he's now? 31 now 31 yeah, do you see? Because because to, to me, he strikes me as a <clears throat> as even even when he gets to veteran stage, which I guess is uh, probably 32, 33 upwards, he strikes me as the sort of guy that they would want around for as long as they can have around, even if he's you know sort of on the fringes, as it were. It's 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 hard to you. So there's so many sort of thirty somethings now in all these teams, and you know a Ronaldo or a Messi slightly more attacking roles and they're so crucial that you can see how um teams sort of work around them and kind of say all right we'll leave them just goal hanging and and the rest of us will do the work for them or you know Pepe for example in defense in, in Portugal he's a centre-back he's not going to move that much anyway um I think Griezmann this change of role maybe suits him a little bit because um you know, working with players like Chiromeni and Rabiot, there is the chance for him to take natural breathers. The 35, I feel probably um, it will, you know, some of his strengths will have been taken away. And although he'll still have the intelligence and it would be nice to think that you can find a role for him, maybe back as a number 10, um, mm -hmm. sort of scheming and, and pulling the strings further in front. Um, 
that he could sort of at least in footballing terms still be there but I think it just depends on 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 his fitness what happens in the next four years it's a shame that he's not sort of more kind of he's not taller and more robust because I feel like he could almost single-handedly bring back the sweeper role yeah yeah and also it would depend on where and for whom he's playing under as well uh, Atletico Madrid potentially because that may be uh, change of foot there at some point you would suspect at the end of the season in terms of the other the three there um, as a collective, I mean, Mbappe, as you said, got got the two goals. I thought his movement for both w- w- was brilliant. Close range finishes, of course, but that you have to be there. And and I thought his his movement was really of of an elite forward. Dembele, as you rightly said as well, works worked really hard in this game. I thought, and he he did stand out as a player who almost has got a bit of a, a point to prove. Maybe maybe he's been listening. I don't know. Um, and Giroud didn't you know didn't have his most sort of uh, exciting game as it were didn't you know didn't get on the score sheet and maybe maybe didn't catch the eye as much as he would normally but once again that focal point and work rate for the others is 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 really key I just sort of feel like it's a happy forward line even Mbappe like yes there is a hint of arrogance in everything he does I think that's what makes him an elite striker but he I know it's a cliche that people have been saying but it does look like Benzema absence has freed him up doesn't it that he's just just playing with a, I think you said it on the last podcast, he looks far more relaxed this time around than he did in the last tournament. And he looks like a player who's just playing football. And dare I say it, maybe he's a bit happy to be out of PSG right now. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, on, on Dembele, <laughs> I think that um, it's sort of ironic. I mean, for me, like, like I said the other day, I, despite lots of people raving about him, I really didn't think he had such a great game against Australia. Um, I think because of the nature of the, the kind of player he is, when he gets the ball, there's a bit of a buzz, what's going to happen here? But I thought almost every time nothing happened and he didn't do his defensive shift, yet he still got a great assist. Whereas this match, in a way, I thought, you know, he was far, far better. And maybe statistically you look at it and, and it looks like um, he hasn't achieved as much. But I, I thought he was excellent and, and, as I said, contributed to the balance of the team because he did help Kunde out and, and Griezmann as well on that side. Um, Mbappe, yeah, I'll say it again. I thought he didn't have a, he had an awful first half. I thought missed another extremely makeable chance, uh, lost the ball a lot. One time he lost the ball, made no effort to, to come back and try to win it back. And, and it was the one half chance that, that Denmark had all, all of the first half. So, you know, I thought he was, you know, disappointing at best. And, and, almost a liability in the first half he improved a bit in the second but it still wasn't his great greatest game yet he scored I was going to say two great goals I mean as I said the second one was pretty much on the line but he had to be there the first one was an absolutely fantastic break but even the 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 sort of final shot got slightly lucky I think it was a crucial little deflection that took it further away from from Schmeichel but that's how it goes when it's going for you and and um, as you know, any team that's going to win a World Cup, you need good team spirit, cohesion, a bit of luck, but you also need a match winner, and, and that's indisputably what what Mbappe is. And yeah, I think uh, there was an article, not an article. I mean, there was a suggestion which I think I can't remember if it was true or many. Someone denied that it was true, and, and yeah, it was true or many because he's obviously his teammate, and sort of said that it was you know pretty disgusting um 
shit stirring but there there was a suggestion that the camp is generally more happy now Benzema's not there that some of the younger players are, were a bit intimidated by him that he's not necessarily the greatest for team spirit not in terms of creating trouble but just his maybe aura or persona um, they noted how when Lucas Hernandez got injured, a lot of people were, were sort of concerned and in touch with him and staying with him until he left and things like that. Whereas Benzema, apparently the only person that approached him was Tur- Marcus Turam, and he left sort of in the dead of night without anyone saying goodbye. Mm. So I don't know. I'm sure there's a, there's a little bit of truth in one, a little bit of truth in the other. But definitely, I think, yeah. as we discussed a lot before, I think in 2021, trying to fit... Benzema into the team um, meant firstly that Griezmann was completely sort of ostracised and secondly I think there is a bit of a battle of egos there and it's not such a bad thing I think to get to that level in your career as you said you have to have a bit of an ego but you know to have sort of the Ballon d'Or and the wannabe Ballon d'Or together uh, does have the potential to cause problems and I think Mbappe did try to do too much um at the Euros and here I think you know he's now the undisputed alpha male of the team who um you know the the superstar by himself and he weirdly and you'd have thought maybe that would put more weight on his shoulders he seems sort of freed up by it mm. Yeah, yeah, like a man released almost and a couple of really good pictures that went around the internet after the game as well where he's celebrating with the with the fans, which was superb as well. He had all the, the um, advertising board in it towards the end. I thought that was some really cool togetherness with the fans in that one. And looking at the behind-the-scenes photos as well, who, who knew? Um, I know Luke Antwes, who I sent this tweet to, said he knew, but who knew Axel de Sassi was so good on the piano? Um, fantastic little clip of him playing uh, Requiem for a Dream on, on the front's uh, Twitter feed. If you haven't seen that, it's well worth looking that up. In fact, I think they posted a follow-up on Instagram today where it's got Camavinga and I can't remember who the other player is who are playing Adele's song or one of the Adele's songs. There's, there's obviously a big piano theme running through the camp at the moment. But uh, yeah, it does seem like a fairly happy United group, which after everything that was... Um, lazily referred to pre-tournament is quite good to see in my humble opinion there's, there's Pogba's massive ego isn't there oh yeah yeah naturally yeah and, he, and he's you know doing a you know cursing them all from home etc and yeah whatever um what's your thoughts on the team in terms of the final game because they are through uh winning the group you feel it's still a, well, it's still a something that they would like to like to happen regardless of who ends up playing them you've got to play good teams at some point so it would be a, getting the result the, I mean to not win the group Australia need to smash Denmark or Tunisia smash France or a bit of both and I think it's very unlikely so mm. I think they can afford to make a lot of changes um there's some changes that I would love them definitely to make and others I'm not sure they will. I mean, I, I think you absolutely have to rest Teo Hernandez, who we haven't yeah. spoken about. But, you know, the fact that Camavinga is is sort of looks like he's number two in line at left back. If anything happens to Teo, I think says everything. Um, worry, yeah. Apparently he's done a decent enough job in the two friendlies and he played there sort of 10 years ago. Um, but it's not the same as... Yeah. as as, as playing that in a World Cup. So 
I would definitely rest Teo and look after him as much as possible. I think it's probably right to give Pavar another chance. Um, Varan, I suppose it's it depends. I think it's a toss up whether they still want to sort of ease him back in or get him minutes as soon as possible. I think his preference is to play, so I think he probably will. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they sort of carry on with Upamecano next to him or, or try or bring Kanate in. Obviously, I would love Saliba for several reasons to, to, to get a game, but I'm not sure that will happen. Mm. Um, midfield. Gunduzi midfield. Say again? Uh, Gunduzi to come into midfield. Yeah, I'd be tempted to bring Gunduzi and Fafana in mm. and maybe Vera too as well. I mean, yeah. I think... I wouldn't be surprised if Griezmann does start and will surely not get a full 90 minutes, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. But I think I'd, I'd rest. It's not that I don't rate those three, but I think that, you know, Rabiot, Chiromeni and Griezmann are, for me, by far the correct starters above those other three. And so I'd, I'd be a bit nervous if anything happened to them, especially Griezmann, as we said. Mm. So as I was saying, except especially Griezmann, I was thinking, but also Rabiot. And then as I thought that, I thought, but also Chiromeni. Like, I really think those three are important. So, I mean, frankly, I'd be tempted to pretty much rest the whole first team, except yeah. Baran, if he needs the run around. And Mbappe, I, I don't... I think that there's two things. Look, again, it's probably ego, but he scored three goals. He's obviously got his eye on the golden ball. But this is what happened to Benzema in 2014. He played in the third match. He never scored again. Yeah. Um, I don't think Mbappe's like that. I think he probably will. But there's always the risk. And afterwards, you know, if anything happened to him, everyone will be saying, well, why the hell did he play in that match? But I think he clearly wants to. Mm. And maybe for that kind of player, uh, an eight-day or whatever it would be break is too much. Maybe playing every four days is what what he needs to sort of keep the engine purring kind of thing um, but yeah. you know there were clips of him with a pretty bandaged ankle today in training so uh, you know I think that I'm sure the medical staff and, and he will decide between them what what's best but otherwise I'd rest the whole team I'd rest Giroud as well he is 34 whatever it is um Another one who, you know, you feel maybe against a team like Tunisia would be a good chance for him to, to break that record. But, mm. you know, maybe give Turam a run around. I think he showed slightly bright things in the two matches he's played so far. By the way, that was another one where Mbappe, there was one at the end where they were sort of through almost two on zero. And Mbappe, I think, fair enough, like took the shot, which was, I can't remember if it was saved or skied, but... May, you know, maybe with hindsight, he should have squared it to, to Turam. He would have had a tap in, but you can understand Mbappe taking that one himself. So, yeah, yeah I think Turam has sort of earned his right to to, to have a start. Um, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Giroud just get a, a little bit of a run out at some point as well. Yeah, yeah. And and it should be should be important to mention that, um, you know, Tunisia are no pushovers. I mean, they, they've played pretty well in both their games and have maybe surprised a few, I think it's fair to say. You look pretty good. I mean, they've got a lorry on centre-back, so, you know, need I say any more um, uh, in jest, of course. But, yeah, they they do look like a side that will be well-organised and then they're not just going to roll over because it's the world champions, are they? So, I mean, 
you know you want to take this game seriously um, no i mean there's there's always sort of extra bite against the north african teams that always have a lot of french born and french based players mm. and also as as Deschamps said in the press conference today it's basically in a way match for france because tunisia have got a hell of a lot of yeah. support um in qatar so uh i mean again i guess it's it's thank goodness france are in the position where they're not playing for anything yeah Probably for, for your first place. for your well well being above anything else to be perfectly Absolutely. honest because I, yeah. I would be very concerned if, <laughs> if they did have something to play for um i believe it's uh it's on thursday isn't it the final games i think i'm right in saying tomorrow tomorrow of course it's tuesday today isn't it wednesday good lord sorry this is what happens when you get old folks so tomorrow <laughs> the final two games is the evening kickoffs uh, that I was looking I think it's at. the afternoon kickoff. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to give up. I can't keep up with this World Cup. I got up this morning thinking, oh, yeah, we've got 10 o'clock games. I was like, no, we don't. No, we don't have to. No, no. I've lost track of all things that are happening. But yes, you're quite right. It's, it's 4 p.m., yeah, 3 p.m. UK time, sorry, tomorrow. So we will see the outcome. Just um, just before we do wrap this up, we will, of course, be back after the Tunisia game, probably the day after or somewhere in between. But just before we do, I'm not going to go into every single player because we'd be here all night. But I don't know if you have seen the same as I have. Quite a few good performances from from players playing in Liga. I've noticed in this tournament, um, particularly of the African uh, countries. But I feel like there's been quite a few decent performances from from our our Liga players. Um, I don't know if you have you noticed that as well, or is it just me being slightly biased and actively looking out for those who are playing quite well? Well, Messi's brought a couple. Yeah, um, <laughs> he, he's one definitely. <laughs> but I'm thinking of the the less heralded players. Um, I mean, I mentioned you know, obviously Talby at Lorient is one I've kept tonight. But I think he's he's done quite well. Um, junior Itu at um, uh, for Japan thought he was pretty good in in his performance. Uh, I actually thought Dial was pretty good for Senegal as well. Given I know he's on loan at Leipzig at the moment, but given his trials and tribulations. Um, there's, there's just been a few that I've noticed that have been been doing fairly well and also a few players that you look at in this tournament and think, mm, yeah, they might be on the radar of a few clubs as well. I did see Nuno Mendes go off Portugal, though. That won't be good news for them um, in, in that game last night. Um, but yeah, it's just, just one of those things I happen to notice. But as I said, I'm not going to put you on the spot and um, your homework between now and, and, and then is to look out for who's doing well and who isn't. I think so. <laughs> Focus more on the Brighton players just because of the novelty thing. Yeah, but, yeah. No, it's um, same. I've been doing the same with Arsenal players. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's... yeah, I mean, like today, you know, Senegal's win. Both both Senegal goals came from ex mess players, for example. Yeah, you go. Um, just to rub it in that little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and... yeah, I mean, I can't. I can't remember who else exactly, but it's always a, a good shot window for for certain French players but a lot of them or sort of French based players mm. um, whatever they're, they're all on everyone's radars anyway aren't they yeah true yeah especially come that January <laughs> window and uh, there's definitely I definitely think this is the last World Cup we're going to see quite a few older players I think if, if one thing has come out of this World Cup it's that players who were quite good a few years ago who really aren't up to snuff now um probably need to say goodbye to the international shirt i think you know where i'm going with this but um uruguay fans might know what i'm talking about there 
think some Wales fans, if they're honest, might know where I'm, where I'm going with this. But yeah, maybe even a certain Portuguese centre forward. But um, yeah, it does feel like some of those are just hanging on to that very last gasp and it might be time to give it a rest for the next uh, next competition. We shall see. 64 teams, isn't it, in four years? Good Lord. How are we ever going to... I don't know. I think it's 48, but... 48. <laughs> the same. <laughs> I agree with the sentiment. Yeah. When you got... You know, obviously Qatar's different because it's the home team, but you know, you saw what happened the first couple of days, and then it's 48 teams. I think it's going to be a bit ridiculous. Yeah. But then I yeah. suppose you've got there's going to be three home nations. You have to fit all of them in somewhere. Yeah. Was it Mexico, US, and Canada? Isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose, yeah. I mean, obviously we'll get through this tournament first and foremost, but yeah, it, it'll almost be like, how do you not qualify for this for this tournament? It may be the. Uh, the wooden spoon world cup but um hey if there's one thing we all know it's that fifa will do a fabulous job maybe not um seems like a good enough place to leave it but uh thank you for your time this evening jess and say we will will cobble together as a, a time to do something post tunisia i don't know what day it will be maybe be on the day who knows we'll see what we can do but we will be back to there'll be more to talk about than France-Denmark after the third match last time. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I don't want to jinx this. I really don't want to jinx this. But Denmark, for supposed dark horses, have really not impressed me, if I'm honest, in those first two games. Um, I'm just going to just gonna put it out there. I think they've been quite underwhelming. But as I say, don't want to jinx it because I think I'm right in saying they could end up drawing each other in latter stages if the draw went a certain way. So I, I think there's... I mean, I'm obviously always looking for reasons to be pessimistic or nervous, but... I think there's quite a few teams that have underwhelmed, but some of mm. them have still managed to get two wins. Um, yeah, the Netherlands, Belgium. You know, Germany, Germany almost yeah. certainly qualify now, and they've only got a point after two matches, for example. Mm. So, I'm not going to say England. I, I'm tempted. I don't I'm think. Not don't think Brazil have looked great. I don't think Portugal have looked great. Um, Argentina. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm glad somebody else noticed the Brazil thing because I don't think they've looked great at all and I know everyone's lauding them, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they've been, you know, dare I say, very Brazilian. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you've noticed that as well. So yeah, I, I get no, I, no usually the, the teams that look the best in the group stages don't go on to, to win it. So mm. you know, maybe those other teams are sort of going to time it right and sort of, um, build up ahead of steam. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I haven't. I just. I haven't looked at. The, I only know who France will have next, which is like yeah. second place in the Argentina group. And now it looks like Argentina will probably win the group. So um, I don't know. It looks like maybe Poland. Yeah. Opta Opta did some kind of probability thing, and somehow by working the numbers, Poland looked like the biggest likelihood. Yeah, and they are another. Well, they seem to underwhelm at every tournament, but they're another one that I haven't exactly been uh, sort of impressed with in any way, shape or form to this point. But I'm going to shut up now before I jinx anything else. Uh, but as I say, we will be back to uh, have a look back at the Tunisia game. And um, as Jess said, hopefully we'll have a little bit more to delve into. But, uh, we will certainly be across that one. Uh, thank you to those who are tuning in to these uh, sort of mini pods, if you will. Um, we keep them short and sweet, but um, wanted to bring something during the tournament. And uh, yeah, less than a month's time, we'll all be back to domestic action. It's a crazy, crazy time. But uh, let's hope that we've still got plenty more podcasts to record at this World Cup. <coughs> let's hope it goes all the way in France's favour. So, Jess, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you.
And uh, thank you on behalf of myself as well. I keep tuning in, as I say, and if you do have, I know we say this every time, but if you do have any questions or anything you wanted to, to bring up uh, for me and Jez um, during these podcasts, do just drop us a tweet on the Twitter account. Right, uh, we're all off to watch, well, I'm going to watch USA. Um, Jez, you might watch England, who knows? And uh, until the next game and until the next podcast, keep it lit blue and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>